113 years after the Salem witch trials in Massachusetts, the small town of Bethel, Ohio experienced their own brush with the supernatural. Tonight, we learn about the story of Nancy Evans, the proposed witch of Claremont County. Insert opening music here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I'm your host, Kat Cloco, and with me in the shadows is Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. They'll be on a little bit later. Thank you for joining us tonight. A little bit of social media news. You can always catch us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter, at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And of course, we love to hear your hometown haunts. So please send them in to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. We love to hear stories from all over the world. You don't have to be just from Cincinnati. Also, we have a hometown haunts group on Facebook where a bunch of us chatter about weird and strange and unusual things that are happening in our neck of the woods. So please join us there to the rest of the spooky lovers just like you. We can all just chat. Also, we are an official podcast that can be heard on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, and SoundCloud. Thank you, Jen. Find us by searching Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities and please rate and review us there so other spooky and weird history lovers, just like yourselves, can find us. Link in the show notes as always. And this just in, not only did our Kickstarter fund, but issue three is going to be a reality. We just got over $8,000 in backers um, like 10 minutes ago. So Christina, you want to come in and talk about this wonderful achievement we've achieved? Woohoo! And hello, Jen. You don't have to be muted. You can unmute. Um, Hi! Yay! Yay! I know. This is really great. <laughs> Um, you know, it's a lot of work putting a Kickstarter together and, um, we're already excited about issue three. Um, you know, even though we set the initial goal under $8,000, the main reason for that is because obviously we need to make money to print this issue, but we need to make it worth doing the next issue too. Um, and if there's not a demand for it, you know, it's very difficult. I mean, it's hard to describe. We were talking about that, this on the, um, we were talking about this yesterday when we were doing our live cast is just how much time and effort it takes to put a comic together. I mean, Kat spends hours like looking at all, coming up with the lists, uh, uh, you know, editing everything, looking at everything. I mean, everything takes a huge amount of time, you know, putting together all the graphics for the Kickstarter, all the stuff. Tim, everybody, all three of us that put it behind the scenes spend countless hours on it. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say. I, I would say we probably all, I mean, you know, Cat probably puts a lion's share of hours into it, but, you know, the project management also takes a long time. It's just an agonizing amount of time to put this together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, Christina, myself, and Tim, who is not here, <laughs> but we, we do a lot of the, we split the work up between each other. And I think, Christina, we did a lot of the lion's share of work this year. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we just kind of went with the two 
Um, oh, and Tim just <laughs> message going, that's outstanding about the Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> yes, it is, Tim. Um, but yeah, it, it's me. I don't want to say badgering. I think with as the editor, I keep track of everyone's progress and try to gently nudge them to getting stuff done. Right, Christina? You're going yes, to get yes. stuff done? Like, like why I'm not done yet, and so that's why she's gently nudging me. But the gentle nudges might turn into more forceful <laughs> nudges pretty soon. Um, yeah. Uh, mm. But but also, so, mm. you know, I so I kind of handle all of the writing of the checks, and, uh, you know, we deal, deal with all the taxes and all the other paperwork that the Kickstarter generates. And, you know, last year I did all the fulfillment by myself. Hopefully I'll have some help this year because of COVID, it made it difficult for us to get together mm -hmm. so we wouldn't infect each other. But hopefully this year there'll be a bit more help on that. Um, that was a huge amount of time too. I mean, yeah. I don't know how people that have thousands of comics to send out do it because they have employees. It, well, that's true. Than that's two. true. That's true. <laughs> I, but I do have friends that have started using fulfillment services that have made, raised a huge amount of, for their comic, perhaps on a Kickstarter, but they're their own, you know, person. But that's still there is no way around it. There's a lot of work involved from beginning to end. Um, I think mm -hmm. the hardest thing too is is Cat has to sort through all of the submissions, and we'll yes. be talking about the submission process uh, in January. And you have to read all that stuff and decide yes. what's going to work and how the issue is going to go together. So there's just endless stuff like all the promotion. You know, it's hard to describe just how mm -hmm. much effort goes into this. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of effort on my end at the beginning and at the end. So at the beginning, I'm sorting through all the submissions and then also trying to link groups together. If there's a writer that needs an artist or an artist that needs a writer, I'm finding people. And Christina, you have a hand in that too, trying to get mac good matches and whatnot. And then approving and doing, sending all the approval letters and then getting feedback on the thumbnails and reading through. And then I read through all, everyone's scripts everyone's thumbnails and then I check their layouts and I try to make sure everyone's main art is within the live area on each page and also the word balloons. Holy crap. How many times people just shift their word balloons all the way to the edges of space. And they're just like, well, you could read that. And like, no, we can't because this is the live area this is the trim. Anything past this trim is gone. We can't yeah. see it. So I had in, I, I love our artists that use traditional methods for drawing, except for they get really mad when they discover all of their word bubbles are outside the live area and are going to get chopped off. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's we have to move this. Yeah. This is why we do this in the penciled layout phase and not, I try to make sure that's all right before the inks start, because once the inks go down, they're hard to fix. So, so how many submissions did you get for this issue for issue two? We got about eight and six ended up happening. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully for, I, we're already getting requests for submissions. For oh, great. Three. Great. Um, there's been two people that have come up and said hey we have ideas so mm -hmm. and i'm like great just still send me a proposal like everyone else well a proposal so. helps because that shows that you're serious if you don't give a proposal then it is hard to say oh well 
you know, you're serious about doing this comic. I mean, we mm -hmm. are trying to be a real publishing company. <laughs> we, I think we're doing a pretty bang up job yeah, of it. Yeah. I think so we're too. A we're yeah. a publishing company now. So um, we have to think about, you know, the brand and just as long, you know, think about the podcast and too, you know, how does, how does the, you know, episodes fit with the brand does the comic work with what we're trying to do yeah so cat and this is mm. a little off the subject but when you go through submissions can i sit with you and see what you do sure Just so i know what that process is like like i have no no idea what that process is like sure yeah and uh it will be yeah when that happens i okay. i'll invite you over and we will look through all the submissions here in the yeah. studio okay because they're all digital they're via google document oh and okay. uh, it's a lot it makes it very easy because you can just put it's not only just going through the submissions but it's also transferring all the correct information over to a spreadsheet right. there's right. a lot of um office administration that happened yeah. yeah 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 so okay. and then nothing, nothing's as easy as it looks no, no, never no. there's a lot of project creep that happens. Mm -hmm. Also, I do all the promotional interviews, which mm -hmm. I like doing. But mm -hmm. in the past week, how many have we had? Four? You've four? done a four bunch. or five? Uh, yeah. You've done, uh, you've done, you've been the face of this issue, which is good. Um, but it's, and you look good on all, all of them. Yes. Yeah, That's because I mean, makeup. <laughs> Just yeah. makeup. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's something that that we've been lucky to get a lot of press for this, um, yeah. you know, and and that's why the product has to be good. If it was something really, you know, yeah. lower quality, then I don't think we'd get the press. Um, yeah. I mean, it yeah, the, it's definitely talking to all the people who have been interviewing the, the reporters, basically, and journalists. They're impressed with the quality of work in that we're not some schmucks out in the middle of nowhere trying to just sell our comics this is a right preserving oral tradition basically and it's really unique um that well, also just reminds me of the interview yesterday with wcpo the reporter is a fan of chris woodyard who did haunt the haunted ohio series from the mm -hmm. 90s and uh, they and i'm like yeah i read those books too and and the reporter thought it was really cool that we were basically just illustrating those stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I think your combined experience too with publishing and illustration mm -hmm. and comics and everything uh, really lends itself to that. Cause you know, the process, you know how to narrow down what you want and how to really truly tell a story. So, mm -hmm. and that is immensely helpful. I think it for is. publishing something. Yeah. It adds a lot of, it offers a lot of good guidance too, mm -hmm. to the people who we're working with. Cause some of them are new. And then like with Kevin, he doesn't do too many sequential art pieces in the same with yeah. Steve. So mm -hmm. they did wonderful work. And, uh, well, they're still good. Great... They're very good storytellers. They're yeah. very good storytellers, but it was fun guiding them going like, mm -hmm. here, yeah. this yeah yeah and so. i mean comic anthologies are great ways if you like to do comics without the pressure of doing a whole book mm -hmm. um, you know i think that that makes it a lot easier and that makes it easier to keep the quality really high through the whole book when you're doing a smaller thing and it, it's a great showcase of local talent which cincinnati has an incredible amount of talent mm -hmm. um, cincinnati and northern kentucky have uh, a huge illustration population and there's a lot of crossover in the different groups and it's really exciting to see the new work each time. 
mm-hmm. you know. Um, oh, go I was going to say, speaking of new artists, we have James. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, um, who did work on this anthology piece. Yeah, and, and last one, too. He did a sticker in the last anthology, mm-hmm. and he did a sticker in this one and a pinup. So, mm-hmm. And he yeah, promises he, he's going to do a story next time. Yes. So he did the flapper pinup for those of you who are keeping oh, yeah. a score at home. But also, if you would like another podcast to listen to, James Ellison and Jeremy Je- yeah, Jeremy Jackson have the Box Office Invaders podcast, which you can find on Spotify. There's a few episodes up already. So please go follow our friends at Box Office Invaders podcast. I have to say I admire their um, use of movies from my era. I see already they have Back to the Future, Alien, and... Um, what was it? Back the, and Batman, all of which came out like a long so time ago. So you're telling me your era is timeless. Yes timeless that's the word mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> timeless i like that yes it's um we are all timeless thank <laughs> you very much but anyway moving on we've got an ex- i've got an exciting topic tonight which uh, i think you, you found me. this one did you christina well, you know, i think the reason i was so fascinated about it was you know as a kid my father worked at the nuclear power plant out in moscow ohio so we lived in felicity but bethel was like the bigger town next door and we used to go see movies in Bethel all the time. Oh, fun. Yeah, the, I did learn the first movie theater in Ohio was in Bethel. Really? Yes. And I think mm-hmm. it's been, it was either for sale or sold. It was a small theater. We used to go there all the time to see movies. Yeah. Was it a it one opened, screen theater? I believe it was. Yeah. Oh, cool. It opened in 1908. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, in the before times, you didn't have quite as much media to choose from True. as as you do now. Yeah, you don't, so, you don't get oversaturated or overwhelmed with media. Yeah, I then. mean, back then you could see all the science fiction and superhero movies and fantasy movies because there was only like three or four a year if you were lucky. And now there's like three or four a month. So it makes it yeah. more difficult. On multiple platforms that you may or yes. may not have uh, subscriptions to. Yes, yes. And you're like, do I want to get another one? How many do I want to No, buy? I ran into that this weekend. There were so many things I wanted to watch, and they were all on Hulu. And guess what? I don't have Hulu, and I'm not Ooh. getting it. <laughs> I already have too many subscription services. <laughs> I know. It's hard to watch all of the stuff that you have already. And then I know. That's the modern dilemma. It's like you have a ton of streaming services, and the one thing you want to watch is on the mm-hmm. service you don't have. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So at that point, you might as well either just rent it or buy it. That's true. That's yeah. true. That I reminds mean, me, just Ghostbusters, the original mm-hmm. 1984, not mm-hmm. streaming anywhere. Really? really? Mm-hmm. Who was the? Who was the? Um, who was? Who was the uh, studio for that one? Was that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, the reason I was wondering was they had said when um, Disney acquired Fox that a lot of the Fox movies that were available suddenly were not. Like they took quietly took a bunch of them off, um, you know, off the streaming services and stuff, uh, probably to eventually put on their own streaming service. But I was curious if, um, you know, that was who did Ghostbusters. Well, Columbia Pictures is the ones that made it. Yeah, which Hmm. they've been gobbled years ago. I don't know who owns them now. 
So is Disney slowly taking a monopoly on all the movies and they're just going to put them in their vault and never release them again? Sony Pictures <laughs> has Columbia. Okay, okay, so so I wonder what Sony streams on. Interesting. Hmm. They probably do, do independent contracts. Were you wanting to show it to Sai? No, I just wanted to watch it. Oh, and, I have, I have uh, it on DVD somewhere. Oh, yay. Yeah. yeah um, there, there's a trio of movies and I guess we could talk a little bit about our Halloween stuff before getting to the main event tonight. Oh, yes, yes. Um, there, There's a trio of movies that I always watch every Halloween, and that's Ghostbusters, the original 1984, Beetlejuice, and uh, Hocus Pocus. And those are musts that happen within the Halloween Eve, Halloween Day, uh, Halloween Week. And we, we watched Beetlejuice last night. And Hocus Pocus on Saturday. Sai did watch that. Okay. And, That's a great uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, he did not care about it. He went <laughs> off and played with his doodlers. But <laughs> he'll appreciate it in a couple years. <laughs> yeah. can't force kids to like something, I guess. No. But no. I like it, so we watch it. And... Um, I, I still love the line, it's a glorious morning. It makes me sick. Because that's basically how I wake up every day. Well, I so. mean, the, you, can't, you can't beat the cast in that movie. No, that's a... And um, I can't believe they're making a, a sequel to it. it. I think it comes out are, next year on Oh, Disney yes, Plus. I did hear about that. Because, yeah, yeah, so... Um, infinitely curious about that. So, what well, about you two? What do you do on Halloween? What are your Halloween customs? Normally, I just go over to my sister's and I'll either hand out candy candy at her house or I go trick-or-treating with my niece and nephew. But because uh, we all know how I don't hand out candy at my house. Yeah, and, we've heard about the reputation you have, mm -hmm, lady. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, uh -huh. mm -hmm. The kids don't deserve it because they're not nice to me. Mm. <laughs> so uh, that's generally what I do. Uh this weekend I spent it with my friend Chris. She came over and <laughs> Saturday we watched I don't even know how many horror movies, but we watched so many horror movies. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds like a great way to spend the day. Before. Yeah. And uh it was it was fun. But if I don't do that, I just stay at home with the lights off and the TV down <laughs> low and watch scary movies. Well, that's cool. I mean, there's there, there's a lot of great stuff streaming right now, even though Ghostbusters is not one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we usually, um, you know, Troy usually hands out candy. Um, it scares the cats when people come to the door. Um, no. But, <laughs> but you know, it's usually pretty low key. Um, we used to carve pumpkins. We don't really do a lot of that stuff anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why. Probably, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where it's a know, lot of work. Well, it's not so much as a lot of work. I mean, there are th shows that I mean, we always like to watch um, The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. usually at least one station will stream them. Uh, you know, I think FFX would show like a marathon of the Treehouse of Horror, which I think there's whatever there are 20 some of them or because I don't think they had one every year. There's like one less or one or two less than the years of The Simpsons. Mm. and um so we like to watch those um i think my favorite and i don't know if this counts as a halloween movie it kind of goes in with the um kind of goes with the theme of our show today um because one of my favorite movies uh growing up that's a halloween movie but it takes place at christmas actually is called um 
and Bell Book and Candle, which I don't know if anyone has seen it here. Have you seen Bell Book and Candle? It was made in the 50s. And the thing that's really interesting, um, it starred uh, Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak. Hmm. And um, Kim Novak is a witch. And one thing that's really interesting about the story of Bell Book and Candle is the writer of it was actually writing about the gay culture in the 50s only they were witches so they have like these secret clubs in new york city where they meet and you know the story is about a witch who puts a spell on jimmy stewart to, on a bet because uh jimmy stewart's engaged to a rival that she went to college with and huh. um you know there's a cat in the story named pie Wacket, which when i was little i named my cat after the, and and pie Wacket lived up to her name she was the meanest cat we've ever had she lived to be like 19 and she used to hold relatives hostage by sitting on their lap and if they, they would touch her she would try to attack them so oh, wow so the good die young apparently so she was <laughs> a very memorable cat in our pantheon of cats um oh, but, the, but the movie is really good you can usually catch it on um uh, Turner Classic Movies, um, but it's a really interesting movie. It kind of talks about witch culture, and you know, one uh, there's some funny lines because, of course, the movie was out at the height of the Cold War, and um, at one point, she's trying to tell Jimmy Stewart that she's a witch. Spoiler alert: she's trying to tell Jimmy Stewart that she's a witch, and he, she's like, "I'm trying to tell you something about myself that you don't understand." And he said you're not involved in un-American activity, are you? And she said, no, it's very American <laughs> since the 1700s, like, it, it, you know, indicating the, you know, like the Salem witch trials because mm -hmm. they're kind of up in the, you know, New York City. And, and um, you know, that was just the sort of line you would expect in a movie in 1958 um, when the Cold War was happening. Um, but it kind of has the beatnik culture. It's, I mean, the cast in this movie is crazy. I mean, it has Jack Lemmon as her brother and he's oh another gosh. witch. and. Um, you know, there's a couple other well-known actors that are in it. Um, it's just a very interesting movie about witchcraft. Yeah. Well, I'll have to watch 50s. it sometime. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's really good. I mean, it's, it's very hip, you know, it's got a bongo drum soundtrack, you know, very beatnik, you know, uh, her wow. brother, Nikki played by a very young Jack Lemon plays bongos in a bar called the Zodiac. And it's like the secret bar that all the witches hang out at. And it makes the whips, the witches look very hip and cool. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. I have though. never heard of that movie. Yeah, and, and the witches today. are actually very multicultural too. Like this bar, all the people from all over the world are there and hang out and tell stories. And, you know, it, it was just a very, it feels like kind of a weird movie for Jimmy Stewart to be in, but I guess he was in Alfred Hitchcock's movies. And of course, he's was a publisher. He, he and Kim Novak weren't in one together, weren't they? They were, was it Vertigo or Rear yes, Window? Yes, Vertigo. it was okay. Vertigo. Yeah. Grace Kelly was rear rear window. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh Hitchcock was known for his predilection for blondes. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say I don't I can't tell those two apart. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I just wanna it's it's too bad that Alfred Hitchcock was such a lech. Yeah, apparently he was not uh there was a movie that uh what what's that actor, Toby something or other? played him and oh, it, oh. he played him really creepy mm. and he like he was really kind of like he was definitely up to no good shenanigans with his leading ladies mm -hmm. oh. um not necessarily that it was 
I mean, I don't want to besmirch or anything, but it did not go over well. The movie people were, were angry at, you know, how dare you try to take down this legend and blah, 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 blah. Because he he's not here to defend now. himself. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> he ruined oh, Tippi okay. Hedren's, uh, yeah. Hedren's career. He wouldn't yeah. let her be in anything after, like, she refused mm -hmm. his advances. And right. to me, that's very yeah. creepy. And, and that whole situation was prevalent in the storyline in that movie and it mm. just like man <laughs> yeah i mean it was it was just one of those things where you know uh, and that that's kind of the debate that's happening now with with art and yeah. you know if is the art still good if the artist was a total ledge and, you know. yeah i yeah. think so but you know who it's, knows it's, 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 it's all twisted call. it gets yeah. all twisted yeah, yeah this a... sounds like one of James's two bottle episodes that yes. we should <laughs> do. Yeah. Exactly. But, yeah, we're, we're getting back to witchcraft, actually, Bell yeah. Book and Candle is a great segue to today's topic, which mm -hmm. is the, um, <laughs> which I just forgot, the, <laughs> the, the Bethel, Bethel witch, witch trial of 1805, which Christina found and I it was just fantastic. in the news the other day, and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, this Bill is Reinhardt cool. just came out with an article about that for um, Ohio History. So, yeah, or not Ohio History. It was um, oh the um, public media. Yeah, yeah. PRI was it, or one of those? Um, it is. I Idea Stream. Ah, oh, okay, okay. There's so many, but and and that's a coalition of different. I think NPR affiliate networks but so tonight's topic sources bill reinhardt's article from idea stream right here at the top of my notes also ohiohistory.gov and the northern kentucky tribune so and then i also dug up the um amherst news times from 1953 reported on this that's so, awesome. wow so shall we dig into tonight's episode yes please to topic all right so the village of Bethel, Ohio, was founded in 1798 by Obed Denham and was part of the Northwest Territory and is located 30 miles east of Cincinnati. But by 1805, when our story takes place, the state of Ohio was just two years old and the village had been renamed Bethel. The two oldest Hildebrand sisters, which are identified as Fanny and name lost to history, began to act out in strange ways and profess to be possessed by evil spirits and scream at things that only they could see. The spiritual oppression was so severe that it prevented the young girls from doing their daily tasks around the homestead in Bethel. She would scream, tear her hair, and wiggle around on the floor, something terrible. Sometimes, in the night, she would awake with a start, give a yell, and so keep the whole family awake the rest of the night, writes Harry H. Hale for the Amherst News Times in 1953 for True Tales About Ohio. And this is via Ohio Memory. Distraught, their family performed a rudimentary exorcism on the sisters. It is described as using a large Lindsay Woolsey bag to trap the witch after others spoke some incantations. After the witch was caught, 
The bag was taken outside where it was chopped up into thousands of pieces by an axe and then burned. However, the spirit oppression continued, and eventually the girls reported witnessing the form of their elderly neighbor, Nancy Evans, during the attacks. This led the Hildebrand family to accuse their neighbor of witchcraft. Nancy Evans and her family, of course, denied that she was a witch. The only damning evidence was that she owned a black cat. The Hildebrand family ostracized the Evans family, and but the spirit oppression continued with the girls. Now desperate, the Hildebrand parents called the Justice of the Peace to solve the issue and prove whether or not the elderly Nancy Evans was a witch. This was to save their own daughter's mortal souls. The catch was that Ohio doesn't have any witchcraft laws on the books. We didn't write any after the Salem trials. So the Justice of the Peace needed to be creative with solving this problem. A crude but functional set of scales were constructed. They were pretty large, and they were large enough for Nancy to sit upon one side of the scale and for the holy book to be placed on the other side. This type of discernment of witches is actually quite old and practiced in Europe centuries before. If Nancy was a witch, she would be lighter than the Bible, because as a witch, she would defy the laws of gravity. Others would also say that the Bible's tome would be heavier than any kind of sin that the witch could have possessed. So, if she was a witch, she would go up and the Bible would go down. On the trial day, Nancy was placed on one side of the scale and the Holy Bible was placed upon the other, and the bystanders held their breath to see the result. The scale tipped to one side in favor of Nancy Evans. She was acquitted of being a witch, because naturally, an elderly woman is going to be heavier than a book. The Hildebrand family moved away from Bethel soon after. No word on if Fanny or her sister continued to be bewitched. Nancy Evans and her family also moved away to Brown County, Ohio, where Nancy passed away a few years later, a respected citizen of her new town. And that is the story of the Bethel Witch Hunt. Brown County is actually not that far away from Bethel. No, it's not, not really. Like, it sounded like she moved like really far away, went really... Uh, it's it's not that far. I was thinking Brown County, Indiana, which is also Same. within the Cincinnati yeah. area. Yeah, it's, it's kind of out in that. I don't want to say no man's land, uh, but it's kind of a very well. I suppose every state is like you know you have these numerous like farmland counties. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just they're not very populated, and they're very rural. Um, and it was probably a big distance then. And hearing the story, uh, the quote from Mark Twain, where he said um, he wanted to be in Cincinnati when the end of the world came, because everything happened 10 years later there, uh, Mm -hmm. came to mind hearing this story. Um, The idea that they actually erected scales to put her on was so Monty Python, yet so deadly serious. Yeah. Yeah, just from the accounts that I could read that you found, Mm -hmm. uh, that that was the most fair and judicial way that the justice of the peace who is unnamed his name has been lost to history was able to carry out this test 
Like mm-hmm. he wasn't going to throw her in a pond to see if she sank or floated. Yeah, um, yeah. He was just he. <laughs> I think the Evans family, because they did this, this is just me wondering. They must have been actually rather well respected. And mm-hmm. there's another newspaper that noted that after the Hildebrand family left, the notable uh, intellectual points of the town went up. Like it became a much more scholarly and intellectual town after the Hildebrand oh. family left. And I'm like, oh. Dee, that's a burn. But well, that's a huge burn if that was in the article. Wow. Yeah, that was a huge burn. That and was- I about being objective back then, apparently. We'll yeah. have you know that if it were me back then, I would totally have been the witch on, on trial. <laughs> you know, a lot of women did, a lot of older women did give herbs and do a lot of the stuff. Doctors didn't like them. They didn't like midwives. I mean, there was a lot of hustle. Well, there's a lot of financial abuse as well. The, mm-hmm. There was a lot of property claiming by... Oh, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, that happened a lot in Salem. That's been well documented since then, that a lot of the women who were killed and also the one man mm-hmm. and his dog, um, yeah, their their property was seized and taken by the, I think, the Justice of the Peace. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of nefarious. There's a lot That's of nefarious. political. Yeah. Um, yeah. Involved with it this sounds stuff. like uh, Nancy, her, her neighbors just didn't like her. Poor uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And oh my gosh, she had a black cat. <gasps> you know, and you superstition just you know overtakes everything else. I mean, yeah. yeah. And like you said, they wanted you know. Sometimes it was neighbor disputes. I'm sure. You know, um, you know, it was a way perhaps in <clears throat> earlier times if you had an irascible old woman living next to you and you didn't like her. That was a great way to get rid of her. I mean, I think a lot of it was neighbor disputes and people getting angry at each other, everybody up in each other's business, um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but it did seem, I mean, some old villages, like in Germany, they killed so many people for being witches. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I didn't do a, a search before the show about, I don't think it's legal to make laws against witchcraft because of our freedom of religion i think they would mostly get struck down uh, well yeah by, now by the supreme court perhaps er- earlier times they didn't but um everything when i was looking was there used to be a witchcraft law in england that was struck down not too mm-hmm. long ago and one of my big indulgences lately has been listening to the broadway musical six mm-hmm. and oh yes it's about the six wives of henry the eighth mm-hmm. and you know one of the things henry the eighth was most known for is he dissolved the Catholic church in England and became the, made the king or, you know, sovereign, the head of the church of England. Yes. And he took, and the main thing that he got out of that, in addition to being, a, I mean, you know, there was a side benefit of being able to marry whoever he wanted. Mm -hmm. I mean, he liquidated all the monasteries. (laughs) And when you go to England, if you've, uh, if you both have been to England before you see all the, the Abbey still there, like falling apart. Like the, there's these, you know, old monasteries and churches everywhere that um, are gradually going into ruin um, because King Henry VIII took all their money. Yeah. Well, actually, funny thing that you mentioned that was I looked up witchcraft acts, which is what these are called. And the first one was the Witchcraft Act of 1542, done by King Henry VIII. 
And it was, uh, let's see. Um, it was repealed by Henry's son, Edward the sixth in 1547. So then there was another witchcraft act of 1563. And, uh, that one was repealed. It was 157 people were accused of witchcraft in, uh, Nine of only nine of them were men. Uh, there was the Scottish Witchcraft Act of 1563. Um, that stayed around till 1735. Then there's the Witchcraft Act of 1604 by James the First, and uh, Scottish Witchcraft Act of 1649, and which also penalizes for devils and familiar spirits. And the Witchcraft Act of 1735 is the final one. And that one was the one that was repealed May 26, 2008. Whoa! 2008! (laughs) I knew it had been recent. Yeah, I I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, So was witchcraft just basically science we didn't understand? And they're like, oh my god, it's scary! We We must kill you! We don't well, understand. it says a person who is claimed to have power to call upon spirits, foretell the future, or cast spells, or discover the whereabouts of stolen goods was to be punished by as a vagrant and con artist subject to the fines of imprisonment. The act applied to the whole of Great Britain, repealing both this 1563 and the 1604 English Acts. Um... So that basically, and then there was a fraudulent mediums act of 1951. Um, Mm -hmm. So. Well, that makes sense. Again, a lot of it was, you know, there wasn't a lot of, of sound science or anything behind it. It's more, it's more, you know, the church wanting to retain power and money and not, I mean, they're not crazy really about any kind of religion other than their own. Um, right. All I have to say is between being in the call upon spirits, foretell the future, cast spells, and maybe discover stolen goods, plus my red hair, I would be dead. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very, very I dead. Think, I, th- th- there's like biblical things against, isn't there biblical things against fortune telling and all that stuff? It never has stopped anyone it's from using been very... cards or whatever. You know, people have always been super interested in it. But it is always, and perhaps because it's supposed to be slightly wrong, you know, it makes even people want it even more, you know. I there just is, think it makes the world bigger. More there things is that the you don't know. Suppression Act of 1957 in South Africa. And it's yes. still in force. They wow. actually still burn witches and kill witches in Africa. Yes. Really? Don't do that. Yeah, just please don't. don't do that. I didn't know everybody has superstitions and stuff like that i'm sure that would happen here there are people here that would gladly burn witches you know fortunately at the moment the law is not on their side but that doesn't mean it will be like that there are still laws where it makes reading tarot um and other divination practices um illegal Mm -hmm. just like the uh suppression of psychics act because they're considered con artists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you you just never know. Like some states have some very weird laws, um, and unfortunately, there are people out there that do take advantage of those things. Yeah, 
Um, which is sad, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying like, to read where these places are. Uh, let's see. There's the... Um, yeah, there was a court case in 2009 in Texas where somebody sued the city um, of Euless, Texas, after they were told they could no longer perform an- animal sacrifices as part of his religious practice. <laughs> um, somebody else um, also was penalized for practicing Santeria. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. This is the same case. He was a practitioner of Santeria and they told him that that was illegal. So he sued them. Did he win or lose? I am reading. Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans said that the ULIS ordinance placed a substantial burden on the plaintiff's free exercise of religion without advancing a compelling governmental interest. So he won. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 interesting. I'm sure, like, you occasionally see those articles that talk about all the laws different areas have and um, mm-hmm. weird laws that they don't really enforce anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them, you know, obviously are um, anti-gay laws and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, you I think they were declared, the Supreme Court a while ago declared most of those unconstitutional. I think most of those laws have been struck down by the Supreme okay. Court because of freedom of religion. Um, and so I don't think, even if that, that law was still on the books, I don't think like this... Uh, it would be Texas, taken seriously. The man in Texas, she was just mentioning, um, you know, was... The government was keeping him from practicing his religion. Yeah, I so I think I think that there is in this country a fairly broad uh, Freedom of Religion Act. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could use that, um, you know, trying to uh, avoid the the witchcraft stuff. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that are now like practicing Wiccans and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I, I think, you know, you and you would think people wouldn't be. There are still like crazy people that get upset about stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. I say crazy. Yeah. Um, so know. have you guys ever met someone who? Was a witch, or really kind of like made you go? The people that practice Wicca, yeah, okay, okay, it kind of go hand in hand with the paranormal community, okay, yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of them around, yeah, um, yeah. I have relatives that practice them, really, okay, yeah. I mean, it's not a it's not super unusual, Mm um, yeah, you know, there's and then there's a huge pantheon of different types of you know. Yeah. Variances. I mean, I suppose that's probably one of the the it's, it's sort of people probably put together their own practice based on on that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's sort of whatever you want, what you what you like. I don't know. That sounds weird. Um, you know, I th- I think a lot of times a lot of it is sort of based on old practices and stuff. I don't know if there's sort of a um, as a matter of fact, I know for sure there's not a standardized sort of feel to it. I think no. that's what attracts people to it is that it's not standardized. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you follow whatever you feel most attracted to. And then there's also people that practice it. And I think they're called eclectic Wicca or mm-hmm. eclectic okay. witchcraft, which mm-hmm. is, it just um, 
cherry picks whatever mm-hmm. um whatever they're drawn to so there's mm-hmm. some that follow more egyptian lines or greek lines or mm-hmm. um okay. or druid but then you have also eclectic so and then you have root workers too and hoodoo voodoo that mm-hmm. kind of uh stuff um do we have a hometown hunt we do not we used them all up last week oh okay <laughs> new ones uh so we will try to have some for next week actually um yeah I'll, I'll ask it's kind of been you know with the wrapping up of the kickstarter and you know a lot of other stuff and deadlines i, I didn't do a call out for that today Treon. okay john go ahead was just gonna say i'd be interested to know if anybody has any kind of family lore about like if there was some they had a witch in their family or maybe if they are descendants of Salem witches or anyone that was accused of a witch. That'd be kind of cool to know. Yeah, like, uh, was it Alice Nutter? I have a friend who is a descendant of, I, I believe her name is Alice Nutter. One of the uh, witches condemned in Connecticut. Oh, wow. I think. Okay. Um, yeah. Alice Nutter, not Alice Cooper. Well, he's kind of yes. witchy. she was an english woman accused and hanged as a result of the pendle witch hunt oh no she's also she was in she was in lancaster so not connecticut um glass she was uh yeah um she was accused of witchcraft and hung at lancaster castle so, yeah, I do have one friend who is a descendant of a witch. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did did her family lore, did they talk about it? Or was it kind of like the unspoken? I will ask her. Yeah, that'd be kind yeah. of cool to know. Yeah, I'll get her on and see um, <laughs> what her family lore is. But that is a very good uh, question to our audiences. Do you have family lore like that? And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be necessarily witches. It could be medicine men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could mm-hmm. be root workers, um, healers. Magic comes in a variety of flavors, so yeah. in terms. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, and I, you know, I, I hate to say that people were more superstitious in the past than they are now. Um, it certainly has transformed a lot, but you know, back at least, I mean, I would, I would normally say, like back then, you know, people didn't know, for example, why Black Death was happening and tr- would try to blame witches, but. That kind of is still happening. So <laughs> I was just laughing, and I'm like, yeah. "Do I have a headache? Is it a witch? Is it like?" Well, you know, people uh, people were like, "You foul me. demon! You make my head hurt." Yeah. I was going to say, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of people that still don't, you know, take the prevailing. You know, you think about the 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 plague that went through the, you know, a lot of people just. I mean, there was no explanation why things would happen, and sometimes uh, that fear would lead to them accusing other people. Um, and I think I had heard that, um, that, that I was actually, we, we, we were talking about Cosmos yesterday. Um, that was always an interesting story in, in the Cosmos where they had Johannes Kepler and he was the person that first figured out the motion of the planets. And, um, his mother was accused of witchcraft and they, and it, in the narration, they said then, um, she was kind of an irascible old woman that was picking fights with magistrates in the town. And so they just didn't like her. And he thought, and Kepler blamed himself because he was, he wrote the first work of science fiction about somebody going to the moon. And he thought that that had put his mother in jeopardy. 
but no. it was really that wow. people just didn't like her because she was, you know, a crabby old woman and people didn't mm -hmm. like and voiced her women. dissent. I mean, let, yeah. let's be honest, a lot of it is people didn't like crabby old women, you know, they talk too much and you know they they Crone. just probably, exactly they didn't like crones. <laughs> um, you know, that's why we're reclaiming crone. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess we're all witches <laughs> here. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. yes. So, I mean, I think that's that's the thing that's interesting, you know, and, and when you read stories like this Bethel story, it's always, there's always underlying things that happen. Why did it get this far? Why did they blame these women of being witches and we're actually seriously thinking out whether punishments we can do or whatever, you know. And she was the only one accused yeah, of witchcraft? Yeah, she was the only one. Okay. Yeah, and it was really the Hildebrand family that was causing really the problem of chased yeah chased it the justice of the peace was like okay how can we get this resolved quickly <laughs> let me find out a way and uh so he came up with just using the old school tactic of uh weighing the witch yeah. and seeing if she was lighter or heavier than the bible and he probably knew what the outcome would be and if he could just get the Hildebrand family to shut up, um, that I think was his goal. And then eventually they just left. And uh, well, I'm glad it had a, a quote unquote happy ending that she yes. was mm -hmm. able to live out killed. her natural life. <laughs> yeah. I know one article did point to possibly epilepsy being the cause of the girl's yeah. uh, spirit possession and oppression, but. Without more information, yeah, this is just maybe that could yeah. could have been. It's just oral history now. Mm -hmm. It's folklore wow. now. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is really interesting folklore um, that might be even interesting as a comic topic. I'm just thinking. yeah, uh, that, and we also have the witch's tree. Which that, we were talking about yesterday, then, but a quick recap. Yeah, Ooh, what's oh. the witch's tree? Oh. Okay. You want me to quickly recap it here? So this is a Northern Kentucky story and it okay. kind of branches off of um, Nancy Evans story in Ohio. And what we have is a trio of women who practice witchcraft in Cincinnati and are discovered and chased away from their home. So they flee to Northern Kentucky and establish their own little, not quite a coven, but their own homestead there. And it doesn't take long for basically rumor to grow again that they are witches. So the community finds them and then hangs them at a large tree that grows on a hill. And that tree still stands, according to legend. At the bottom of this gnarly twisted tree are three very large bumps that have been paved over with a road, but still persist to this day. And it is said that those three bumps are the bodies of the witches who have cursed the land underneath that tree. So that is a very quick story of the witches' tree. We I'm also have a witches' it. tower in Dayton. Really? So, which I think is another cursed tree. Can so we have a lot of witches around I, here. I like creepy trees. What <laughs> I like about this story, and I say like in a kind of sardonic way, is that they did get the method of killing an American witch correct. A lot of urban legend witch deaths say that they are burned in trees and cemeteries, which is mm. utterly false. This is just a cover-up lightning that has struck a tree in a cemetery. Mm. 
no one was ever burned to death as a witch in the United States. We hung our witches, thank you very much. We did not burn them at stakes. Mm-hmm. We also weighed them first. So, so this is kind of a side note, but you know how when they have these tree pods that you could put your cremains in or your to make you a tree. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my brother one day and I'm like, I, I want to be a tree. Wouldn't it be cool to be a tree? He goes, I could totally see you being one of those nasty mean trees that will just shed shit everywhere and dump branches on people just for spite. Yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> people would like feel a branch in them. You'd be a ginkgo tree. You're uh, shiny, you know, yellow, and golden. Trees. And in the spring, you just fart on everyone yeah seed pods that'd be funny or mm-hmm. just one of those trees that just falls over at the right time and crushes someone's car exactly. oh jeez without them in it i'm not saying like hurt people but <laughs> make their life their day a little bit worse worse <laughs> you are an addictive tree <laughs> oh i just think it'd be funny you'd be like haunting your friends after you die <laughs> Just wait until a dog pees on your on your bark. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'd be like, oh, thank you, sweet puppy. It's okay. <laughs> well, Pup- puppies are different. <laughs> oh, so you're not going to drop a branch on a puppy that pees on well, your no. trunk? I like puppies. What about cats that <laughs> climb the tree? Would you? Would you like? Or make a deer little oh, I eat. would would not let that cat go. Oh, the cat can sit in my tree. Okay. The legend of the skeletal cat. The tree that eats the cat. I will love them to death forever and ever like Elmira. <laughs> I will love him and squeeze him and hold him. Legend holds that somewhere <laughs> in western Cincinnati there is a tree that will hold your cat. And, uh, and never give it back. skeletal cats. And mm-hmm. on windy days mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. hear them meowing in the wind. The bones rattling. I love rattling. that idea. It's a, a little cartoon. That'd be fun. I know. I, I, I you like could that do idea. a crone crazy cat lady in the tree. That's true. I could. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, crazy cat ladies are kind of all the stories, but uh, I like mm-hmm. the idea of the tree. Mm-hmm. The yeah. cat tree. She wears a fur coat of live cats. Yes. And throws <laughs> them at you when you piss her off. I Those think that's cats. already a character in The Simpsons <laughs> like that. Yep. <laughs> She's one of my favorites when you just see a random cat flying. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think she's a favorite of many. Yeah. But on mm-hmm. that note, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Thank you for joining us for another cat-filled episode. I know. Of where, was, where was Yeti? Of curiosities. Where was Yeti? Yeti was barking downstairs. Oh. Um, yeah, my new dog. For those who don't know. So oh thank God. you for joining us for this wonderful podcast. Um, you can follow us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter, Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram, and please, oh please, send us your hometown haunts at hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to join our Facebook group, which is just Hometown Haunts. I'm Kat Cloco. We got Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. Thank you for listening. Good night and stay weird. Bye. Bye-bye.